Yo, Ryan King. How you doing, brother? We're back. Episode five, baby. We're back, man. Where you at? I like the background, man. You always got some a new location. Where you uh, at? Well, I, I chose to stay home today. I'm, I'm physically in Carlsbad, California. And this is a picture from the driveway of Lauren and I's favorite restaurant called Dini's. Sits right across from the beach. It's a nice little family restaurant. They make pizzas in the face, uh, shape of a fish, and we just love it. But this is one of my just favorite pictures. Just it's so beautiful. Wait, did love you take it? Create, creation, man. Creation just shows me God, man. Just the beauty of creation. Did you take the pic? I took the pic. Can you believe it? I why does it, why does it look so nice? iPhone 11 makes everybody look like a photographer. They're taking away your job. What's up? What you sipping on? I got I got a mojito. You got a mojito. Mm, mojito is one of my favorites. You got to try Caparinas too. They're like a Brazilian mojito. Amazing. Today I have a special drink. I have a Modella, but this is a special Modella. It's going to totally gross some people out. But every time we go to the beach, we all try to pick up at least three pieces of trash. And one of the last times we went to the beach, there someone had drank a case of Modella on the beach and just decided to leave the entire case of empties there. So we cleaned it up. And there was one Modella left. And this is actually my wife's idea. She's amazing. She's like, let's take it home and clean it off and drink it one day. So we took it home. We cleaned it off. We let it sit outside for two weeks in the sun. Then we uh, put it in the fridge after it was clean, make sure there's no coronavirus on it. So here we go, baby. This is a Modella I found on the beach that sat outside for a couple weeks. And then I made cold. Let me see. Trash. Drinking trash. Oh, it tastes so bad. It's also 9.54 a.m. where I'm at, and this is disgusting. Mm. Ooh. Well, well, cheers, man. You, you said it was a heavy topic, so. Yeah. Needed, uh, let's, let's get into it, though. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to do a little, little, little politics, a little Christianity, a little woven together of those two things today. But let me start with a quote. Um. If you look up our podcast, if you're listening to our podcast, you'll probably see our new picture of what the hell do we know. And uh, I just want to give shout out to Steve Schlangy, who helped us create our little Schlange. artwork, our little photo. Good friend of mine. Steve and I had some amazing conversation yesterday. Love Steve. He's such a smart guy. And he said this to me after we were, we were going back and forth like you and I do, Shane. And Steve said this to me. The humility to say you could be wrong changes the way you treat people. Hmm. Him and I were talking a lot about like just my heart that I'm not trying to prove people wrong. I'm not trying to say I'm right, but I am trying to stand up for what I believe in. And I'm trying to stand up for helping people. Uh, you know, what I believe in is really trying to help people find life and help people who are down, get up and, and use, you know, be a blessing to others. Cause so many have been a blessing to me. I, you know, I am where I am because of the help of so many other people and the continual help of so many people. I have numerous mentors right now. That phrase after I was, you know, talking to him for a while, he just said to me, wow, it seems like the humility to say you could be wrong changes the way you treat people. You're trying to stand up for what you believe in. I'm, I'm trying to take a knee. <laughs> we can't get on the same page, man. But hey, I'm I'm good to take it in, bro. I know no, not everyone's into that. No disrespect to the to the flag. I don't think that's what it's about. Uh, I'm with you. To me, standing up for what you believe in is taking a knee. Yeah, you got to what uh what you got for me? What's, uh, you said you got a quote. Let me hear it. This is uh from the Atlanta Dream. I really like this quote. This is in response to one of their owners who was bashing Black Lives Matter. They just said, our team is united in the movement of black lives. It's not extreme to demand change after centuries of inequality. This is not a political statement. This is a statement of humanity. hundred percent. Any thoughts? No, I think, uh, you know, as we continue to talk about racism, now we're moving on not moving on, but interweaving it, you know, cause it's all interconnected into uh, faith, Christianity, uh, politics, Trump. Um, the, I see the minute, you know, we start making it anything other than about the fact that these are human beings just ask, you know, at the end of the day, calling out for help. 
That's where we get into trouble, man. See people leading, especially since we're talking about faith, you know, people of faith who are leading, but they we don't always lead with faith. We'll lead with Republican. We'll lead with Democrat. Yeah. And then I think once that is at the forefront, it's, it's, it's hard to backtrack and then make it about faith or about, um, you know, your spiritual, I guess, response to how, how we treat people. Yeah. And I think that's what you, you know, was unique about Jesus to be, to, to, to bring up faith for a moment. You know, uh, my faith journey started with finding Jesus in the Quran, finding Jesus in Judaism and Mormonism, finding Jesus in Christianity, obviously. And something stood out to me about Jesus, you know, I'm going through reading the Bible. Jesus was radically about humanity. He was radically about the person and their heart, radically about, you know, the Bible says God is love. And it says everything in this law that was, you know, 330 some plus different laws hinges on loving God and loving your neighbor as you love yourself, that like everything's love. And that's something that's really guided me. I have a number of people in my life who I love that I adamantly disagree with right now. I always make sure when I lay my head down to the pillow that my last interaction with them was one where I demonstrated love towards them, that I demonstrated that I care about them or that I asked what I could pray for them for, or that I said, is there a way I can help them? Or I just laughed with them that I demonstrated love to them. I think it's so important whether you're Democrat and they're Republican or you're Republican and they're Democrat or you're there of a different faith or, you know, if they're an, Oh, I mean, I, I have just one or two in my life that are just overt racist. Uh, I don't know if they would call themselves that, but comments they've made over the years to me are just demonstrate overt racism. They're probably the hardest in my life, but man, Jesus just loved everybody. It's a challenging. Are they people, are they people who of faith? Yeah. That's crazy to me, bro. But hold on, I think we need to backtrack because uh, we are both of our contexts will be when we're talking about faith through our Christian lens. Yes, which yes. you know, which I would identify. I mean, I don't want to identify with uh, political Christianity at all. Like, I don't even like calling myself a Christian. <laughs> like, just because there's so much other stuff that can go with that. I like. But I like also, I know you got to. Let people know, like, I know you went to school, yep. like you, so, you know, you're pretty well versed at least, you know, in things like. I know, I know just enough to be dangerous, but I did get my master's in biblical interpretation. I've listened to, you know, thousands of sermons, read hundreds of books. I've preached, you know, 500 to a thousand sermons in there, depending on whether you count me preaching the same sermon three times in one day, three sermons or one sermon. You know, it all comes out differently each time. So I count it as three sermons, but however you want to put it. Is but, somebody yeah. going to be offended if we say Christian, but yeah, I'm sipping them. Uh, the uh, dude, people are going to be offended no matter what, bro. We got supported. I won't even bring it up. We got supported when I was a pastor of a church in California by denomination and their interpretation. This was their list of things I couldn't do if I took their support. It wasn't anybody else in the church. It wasn't like Christians in your church. It was just the pastor not the pastor's family, even just the pastor. I couldn't cheat on my wife. I couldn't watch porn and I couldn't drink alcohol. Those three things. And I'm like, wait, 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 you're putting drinking a beer, not in just one beer, not even get drunk. I couldn't drink this. You're putting drinking one beer on the same plateau as adultery and pornography. Like that was just so surprising to me. And they said, listen, we understand. We've argued about this for years. They, this is their quote. The money you're receiving is old money, and these are their rules. Take it or leave it. So Christianity is divided, man. We all, we, the, one, the one thing I learned getting a master's of biblical interpretation is you can pretty much say, make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Now, the right, beauty right, right. of that is that every verse speaks differently. And it speaks to so much. And I really think the Bible speaks to all of our life because a verse has so much meaning to it. But you can use it for positive and you can use it for negative. Right. And um, we both, you know, I think my spiritual journey is, you know, um, sort of like a school of hard knocks type of thing. But we both have wounds from mm -hmm. the actual institution of church. Mm -hmm. So that affects a lot of our... 100%. Um, perspective we both worked for 
or volunteer with different churches at different times. Yep. So the church doesn't necessarily represent all of what Christianity, um, but it is a huge voice. Um, so it's amazing that, and it's, you know, like that we are so divided, even though we're under the same faith. Yeah. And even going back to, I remember, you know, like Billy Graham during what he, during the sixties, who didn't speak out against the inhumanity that was happening during the civil rights movement. And that affected a lot of people's faith at that time. And I think now a lot of the youth who I interact with, I think that type of thing affects them where they're like, listen, you got all these churches, but we also got all this, these problems. So like, what's, there's no difference really. Yeah. You know, there's no difference in between if I go to church, if I'm down with God or if I'm not. Well, and, and one thing I've noticed, I mean, uh, our journeys are different, you know, it, we're going to get political in this conversation too. So, you know, what I love about your and I's friendship is we've had a different journey through church, institutional church. We've had a different journey uh, as followers of Christ. We've had a different journey politically. You've tended to vote. Uh, I, I, you'd have to say, I don't know if you voted all Democratic, but I've, I voted all Republican to this point in my life, mainly because I was a one issue voter on abortion. Uh, that's changed for me as I back up and I see pro-life differently. I see, just like I see the church being the people of God and the institutional church differently, just as I now call myself a follower of Christ rather than a Christian or an evangelical, um, words are powerful, words are changing. For me, pro-life speaks to immigration, the death penalty, uh, poverty. I mean, if we're going to be pro-life, we have to think of life bigger than just anti-abortion. So our, our journeys have been so different, but uh, in the political landscape, it reminds me of the church landscape where I have probably about, you know, I probably know about a hundred pastors personally, roughly, uh, been a pastor in what I call three different churches. Uh, one, one was sort of the same, but then it, it split off as Protestant churches are known to do. Um, and, uh, and so I see in church that we emphasize different beliefs. And I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to realize like, oh, this is what happens politically. Like, you know, if you're really into healing and like, you know, dancing around in worship, then you're probably going to go to a charismatic church. If you're more into social justice, you might go to this type of church. If you want, you know, verse by verse preaching, you're going to go to this church. If you want topical preaching, then you need to go to this church. Like we sort of pick and choose it's very hard. I have yet to do it to find a church that really tries to sit back and really, you know, take it all in. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. I'd love to hear your quotes on this. There's just so much in scripture. Here's the part that, that annoys me is that it basically boils down to, to simplify it to me, it boils down to this people we have different beliefs about what should be a priority about what we talk about in church. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. so I, you know, because I deal with things that relate to social justice, um, racism, I want those things to be addressed in church. I don't see why um, what is happening on earth is not addressed in church mm. a lot of times. So I see, Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's a good I mean, that's, so let me share a quote that you know, like it's in my head all the time from what i read so a recent quote i read in the last year said people who seem to be concerned with heaven here on earth aren't as concerned with heaven in eternity and those very concerned with heaven in eternity don't seem to be very concerned with heaven here on earth mm, a thousand percent and this is it's always bugged me even in you know i grew up um, most of the churches I've been to up until after college were mostly all black. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it was so much emphasis. And this is every, a lot of churches I've been to. It was so much emphasis on heaven or like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, but we deal with all these problems on earth. It did, I never felt like when God came to my life, like I was supposed to ignore earth. You know what I mean? I'm like, I got all these I see issues on earth. I see problems here. It almost felt like how do our relationship with God impact, you know, what it is we do here, address here. But even I hear, let's just like to make it more relevant when people 
you know, with Black Lives Matter, racism, I'm getting into some conversations, and you probably hear this too, where people are like, well, you know, just pray about it, or, you know, we got to have grace now, or, you know, we'll just pray for people's hearts, and how do we get people saved, which I'm all for, like, that's great, but it's almost, to me, I see that as a form of escapism, Mm. like, you're trying, we're trying to escape the reality of life, you know what I mean, like, not really deal with I'd love to hear uh, uh, your thoughts on you really quick. You're making me think a couple things, but shout out to your wife again. I think she's made every podcast. She sent me a great sermon. Shout out to Providence Church. She, uh, she doesn't like our, our, our name change, but it's all good. She doesn't like what? She doesn't like uh, what the hell do we know? <laughs> well, hey, we can't please everybody, not even her. We can't, we can't agree on everything. I love her. We love her, but she sent me a great sermon that, that, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. For me, grace and mercy don't affect whether or not I stand up for what I believe in. They affect how I stand up for what I believe in, how I respond. And I'm just going to put this out there. I don't think anyone can argue this. Our current president, uh, number 45, Donald Trump, is a prolific name caller. Like, I, I just, I, I just, I've just, in business, in church, and everything, I've never, like, name calling sort of disappeared from me. It was something we did, like, you know, back in middle school, high school, maybe. You mean calling people out, like, making fun of them. Yeah, like he calls them names. He makes up names for people, you know, and he tweets them. And I mean, he basically is like, you know, trying to make fun of somebody. Sleepy Biden. Yeah, Sleepy Biden, you know, Pocahontas for, uh, you know, uh, Warren, you know, all these, uh, oh, man. All, 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 all of these different names. And see, I think what's important, and, and the sermon Sarah sent me has really got me thinking uh, from Providence where grace and mercy really affect how I respond. So when, so to me, it re- immediately reminded, I just a couple minutes ago, I said, I have two people in my life who have demonstrated to me overt racism numerous times over a decade long relationship. Uh, so to me, these are things they've been going to church their whole life longer than, you know, I've ever been going to church. And so I'm just like, okay, to me, these are people who may not admit it, but they are overtly racist. And yet, Grace and mercy to me had effects. Why are you laughing? I'm talking about something so serious. I'm sorry, man. I just looked up like the nicknames. Down. Oh, oh, yeah. The nicknames are hilarious. They're, it's I mean, so genius, though. Like it makes it you associate an adjective with this type yeah. of prayer, like crooked Hillary. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. She is yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's like <laughs> disgusting and genius all at the same time. Like we're, we've, we've fallen to the bottom of the pit in name calling. And yet it's, it's, it's genius at the same time in terms of making people think this about that person. Sloppy um, Steve Bannon. Yeah, you know? So All right, keep going. Anyways, let me hit this point because I really want to hear what, you, what you were saying here. For me, grace and mercy as a follower of Christ has to affect how I respond to people. And it's most important with the people I disagree with and struggle with the most. So sometimes I feel, because we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, off the podcast, grace and mercy to me don't impact whether or not, like having grace for Trump doesn't mean I don't stand up against what I believe Trump is doing wrong or what I believe Biden or Obama, you know, me as an independent, I, I don't agree any, any particular one with one Democratic or Republican party or one politician standing up, even if I support that politician, even if I voted for that politician standing up when I believe they do something wrong, but grace and mercy affects how I stand up, how I respond, the words I use. It means when someone calls me a name, I don't respond by calling them a name. Right, right, right. But then the other, I agree. My thing with that also is someone to see black lives matter, see people protesting Someone can associate that well, because I don't like the way they're doing it, then I can't get down with it. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. who's to say that's not spiritual? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, obviously, looting, you know, we would disagree with that. But I'm like, because people are out there protesting with their arms up, fist up, shouting out at a system that has done them wrong, someone can look at that and say, that's not graceful, but it's only not because it has to do with grace because that's not what they do or that's not what they have to do. Then personally, like it, that's not how they may react, not because they have grace, but because they don't have to react that way. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's why I know we talked about this before when I'm in, when we're talking with people, I almost want to leave faith in God and anything spiritual Jesus out of it Mm. because who's to say what someone else is doing is not God or it is God just because we may disagree with it. Yeah. And I think you and I come at that a little differently because to me, when we open it up to faith, it actually allows for the voice of many, because like you, you just can't argue when you look at scripture, Jesus brought a voice to those who had no voice. You know, Jesus made sure he, he, he went to those rejected by society. Like he, he, you can't follow Jesus and cut people out. It's, it's really, honestly, when I get into faith conversations, I'm like, all right, well, that's your interpretation of Jesus or of this issue on a faith base. But obviously there's other interpretations, right? You know I mean, and obviously, I mean, take homosexuality. I know people with their doctorates in theology and they diverge on homosexuality. One can easily prove to you with scripture and history and context that homosexuality wasn't even the word wasn't added in the Bible to like 1937. That what they're talking about in the Bible is it has nothing to do with gay marriage and a monogamous loving relationship. And then at the same time, someone else with their doctorate in theology, using history and context and Bible can make you see that anyone who even, you know, goes in the direction of homosexuality is going to hell, you know? And to me, it just brings to like, we, we just don't know. So what really, really matters is how I treat people, how I respond to people, how I stand up for what I believe in. These are the things, you know, people care about different stuff. We're going to talk more about that today. And we've talked about it a little bit, but to me, character is high on my list. Someone could, you, you hire a salesperson, they could kill it for you for a year, but the character of who they are will generally outweigh all of their work. And this is my fear with Donald Trump. I think on issues, he's moved some issues I care about forward. Uh, he took what was already a good economy and moved it forward. You know what I mean? He, um, abortions were already on their way down. And he's helped them go down further. Um, but to me, the damage his character is doing to our nation is going to cause even greater problems moving forward than the problems he's solving. Right. I mean, I would have to see like how he, he would bring abortions down. I'm just going by stats. I'm just going by stats. <clears throat> um, or I guess you're saying under his presidency. Under his presidency. Maybe. Yeah, it's, um, not a, it's not a major decrease either. Actually, major decreases, which is funny to me, under a pro-choice president of Obama, there was under eight years. You have eight years. I think there might have been one year where it ticked up just a little bit. You know, you have, a, you have approximately, depending on the site, 600 to 800,000 abortions per year. You know, and they're going down by a handful of percentage each year. But it was the same. They went down under Bush. They went down under Obama. They've gone down slightly under Trump. You know, you could argue that Trump has been one of the most pro-life presidents in terms of the judges. He's appointed the Supreme Court justices. He's appointed the laws he's supported. But to me, again, uh, character for me is above, uh, above my list. But this wouldn't be for everybody. It's obviously not for everybody. Uh, you know, so for some people on their list, it's abortion is more important than, than character. But for me, Character, it's characters like a disease. It infects the body. So no matter what you do, the, the character and the hatred that is being proliferated in the Trump presidency is going to set us back so much. And it's almost like we'll have the opposite effect. Like sooner or later, there'll be a Democratic president. And if hatred has boiled over, might that turn the abortions that have been going on for years the other direction because of hatred? A, I don't know. That's the thing. Can you, I guess... If we reel it back in, if we're talking, you know, we're talking faith, politics, if we're saying, and this is the thing I see with conversations, it's like some people are gung-ho about one specific issue, say mm -hmm. the abortion issue. I'm not gung-ho on that issue because I see it differently. And we can talk about this later. I see it differently. Like, I, of course, of course I grew in pro-life, but I also understand choice. If, if it was a man in a man's body, <laughs> of course they would be like, Hey, it's my body. Let me choose. But that's a different topic. What I'm saying is, do you, it's almost like people will 
care so much about one issue, they'll dismiss everything else. Mm-hmm. Then they'll do whatever it takes to justify, you know, supporting a president or not supporting a president based off that issue. But my thing is, hold on, I, I have allergies. I got to sneeze. Oh, good. I tried to mute it. Um, you did. If we're talking about character and this dichotomy, which exists amongst any human, right? So Trump is just what he says. All right. Let me just play, um, and then we'll see. We'll we'll dissect being Christian and and being president. You know, is that even possible? But let me uh, let me let me play something for you. Well, let me ask you, because one of the potential attack lines has to do with an answer you gave to Frank once months ago when you said that you'd never ask God for forgiveness. Do you you regret making that remark? No, I have great relationship with God. I have great relationship with uh, the evangelicals. In fact, nationwide, I'm, I'm up by a lot. I'm leading everybody. But I like to be good. I don't like to have to ask for forgiveness. And I am good. I don't do a lot of things that are bad. I try to do nothing that's bad. I live a very different life than probably a lot of people would think. And I have a very great great relationship with God and I have a very great relationship with evangelicals. And I think that's why I'm doing so well with Iowa. The life you have now, when you say that you try to do good, that sounds very different from decades of tabloid media coverage in New York in which some of your wilder escapades were. Well, I'm uh, talking about. I'm talking about over the last number of years. Okay. I've been, you know, I mean, I'm leading a very good life. I try to lead a good life, and and I have. And frankly, um, the reason I'm doing so well in Iowa and leading the polls, including the CNN poll, where I'm 33 to 20. So here's my thing. Like in his mind, in 2016, he's saying he has a great relationship with God. I will never judge anyone's relationship with God. At the same time. He's destroying people's, calling people names out loud, recently saying things dominate people, willing to tear gas, you know, your own citizens. He's saying, grab them by the ussy about women. He took out a tabloid that, you know, a full page ad arguing for the death penalty for some people. You know, these are things that are well documented. He has a world leader. He has a, uh, you know, the CDC leader, Fauci, saying one thing. He's not listening. <laughs> so I'm just saying, when you look at someone's character and you start to line things up, are you, are you able to judge that person, especially when they're a leader of a country? Well, this is what I would say in response to your thing. Not, it, it, not everything you think speaks to his character will everyone agree with you speaks to his character. So some people, rightfully so, in their understanding, reading, conclusions, believe that Dr. Fauci is not correct. You know? uh, one of our podcasts, a couple podcasts ago, we talked about context. In my research, I've really thought, well, you know, Dr. Fauci, to me, in context of the development of the COVID virus has been really, really good. He's a very smart man. And we don't know a whole lot about this COVID-19 thing. It's new. It's developing. So his opinions have changed as developments have changed, as contexts have changed, such as the availability of masks. But not everything you quoted speaks to his, uh, will everyone agree, speaks to you know Trump's character. That's why I really try to uh, personally, you know, try to find things that I'm like, all right, this has got to be a thing like the female genitalia comment. Like this has got to be a thing where we're like, all right, we can't disagree that this speaks to the character of Donald Trump. Now I will give him credit. I think the one apology that I was able to find online was Trump's apology about that quote. You know, now it's not the only thing, uh, Trump, Trump has said, um, something that I was really interested in, you know, it's sort of fact that before Trump was a Republican, before Trump ran for president, he was a Democrat. He was pro-choice. He financially gave to the Clintons. The Clintons were at his, uh, I believe, at his daughter's wedding. He was good friends with the Clintons, uh, and he and 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 he was a Democrat. And here are a couple of things that you would say, you know, as Trump as a Democrat over the years, Trump's history 
if he's telling me he doesn't really need forgiveness from God, um, here are a, a couple of things uh, that Trump uh, did over the years. In 1973, uh, under the Nixon administration, who was a Republican, sued Trump Management Corporation for violating the Fair Housing Act. They found evidence that Trump had refused to rent to black tenants and lied to black applicants about whether apartments were available. Uh, in the 1980s, a former employee at Trump's castle, they said when Donald and Ivana came to the casino, the bosses would order all the black people off of the floor. It was the 80s. I was a teenager, but I remember it. They put us all in the back. In a commencement speech at Lehigh University in 1988, Trump spent much of his speech accusing countries like Japan of stripping the United States economic di dignity, which you know matches his sort of distaste for China right now and all of the horrible things that are happening to Asian Americans because of calling COVID-19 Kung flu and stuff like that. Um, obviously, he has come against the Central Park Five. They've been DNA proven that they didn't do it, but Trump still says they're guilty despite DNA, DNA evidence. Um, in a book uh, by John O'Donnell about Trump, uh, this is 1991, Trump's quoted as saying about black accountants, black guys counting my money, I hate it. The only kind of people I want counting money are short guys that wear yarmulkes every day. I think the guy is lazy and it's probably not his fault because laziness is a trait in blacks. It really is. I believe that it's not anything that they can control. Trump later, in the, that was 1991. Six years later in a 1997 Playboy interview when the quote was read to him, Trump's quoted as saying, the stuff O'Donnell wrote about me is probably true. And I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on about, you know, take it to The Apprentice. Trump thought it would be a good idea to do black versus white in The Apprentice. You know, so just to me, there is just a history of overt racism that has continued on as Trump has called when he was running for president, calling uh, Mexicans rapists and criminals. You know, it just, it continues on. On Juneteenth, right. Trump posted a video of a black baby chasing a white baby, basically making fun of racism. His recent tweet about Bubba Wallace, which not right. only is offensive and racist, but also was in support of the Confederate flag. Um, that is obviously a picture of racism. It's a war we fought to get rid of slavery. I, I don't even understand how Mississippi, I believe it was, just took the Confederate flag out of their state flag. Like we just are getting there. You know, I mean, there's just a history of racism. So when I hear a quote that Trump says he has nothing to ask for forgiveness for, he's been living a good life. As a Christian, I, I want to respond with mercy and grace, but I want to stand up and say, me as a Christian, and I want to say to my other brothers and sisters, no matter what you emphasize in your beliefs or what church you go to, like we've got to stand up to this guy. No matter if he is pro-life, no matter if he will appoint conservative justices, no matter if he's going to defend our freedom of faith, the, this guy's history, his character, his continual comments do not represent the, the God that we live for. And let me add here, I'm on a little bit of a roll here, but we as Christians are supposed to be citizens of a different kingdom. We're supposed to act different, believe different, treat people different. We're not supposed to, you know, put Democrat or Republican above our faith. You know, we're supposed to be a follower of Christ. And it breaks my heart that in 2016, 81% of evangelicals, which I believe that number's down just into the 70s now, still support Trump. And I just think, you know, policies aside, we need to stand for Christ and who Christ has called us to be. And we have to stand against injustice and racism. I don't know how to follow up, but this is my thing. No. <sighs> That's good. But here's what, here's what pisses me off. My whole life, even now, and that's what I understand about white Christians, especially. They can't see the racism thing. Yeah. Like 2020, people are just now at a point where it's like, and this isn't even everyone. People are like, all right, maybe I should listen now. 
but we both know people, talk to people who are diehard, quote unquote, Christian, but can't see the racism thing for what it is. So I always struggle with God and with this being a black man in America who also, um, and I, I'm not that Christian. Like, I'm not like, you know, like, uh, as far as like um, the do this, don't do this type of person. Mm-hmm. But it's like people, especially white Christians, it's like they, it's almost like a gap. It's like the relationship with God doesn't translate into how I see black people in America. Or it's like something else is over the eyes, I feel like. And yeah. I never understood it, man. Yeah. And like, so I see like Trump and people who I went to church with, I look at their Facebook posts. You know, Facebook doesn't, you know, give you the totality of a person, but they say things that support 100% about Trump, but ignore all of this racism stuff. So that tells me, A, they don't see me. They they have uh, ignorance when it comes to racism in the depth of the pain. I even even see black people, a very few black people who say they're, you know, they'll throw in, I'm black, I'm Christian, and they'll support Donald Trump. But I'm like, it's either people don't understand the depth of the pain, people don't want to see it when people are saying, hey, this affects me. But that's why I'm saying, I don't want to even bring God into these conversations a lot of times, because it's just going to, because you feel it, feel a certain thing or have a thought you can easily justify it by saying well i'm down with god also yeah. so therefore if if god out of heaven didn't challenge me on this then how am i wrong that's what i feel like yeah. so it's hard for me like to even i don't even like connecting the dots between god christian politics because someone can say they're christian but not be totally against Black Lives Matter or anything that is what we call a human struggle. I don't know. You, you may need to help me out. I just, I just don't get no, that. I, I, here's the funny thing. I actually think you're, you're, you're so in the right direction. I think what you're saying is you want to make it about humanity. You want to make it about the person in front of you, loving that person. And I, and I would say this is what Jesus was doing. And I would say we've gotten really far away from what Jesus is doing. In my opinion, the institutional church that exists today in 2020 was the exact thing that Jesus came to get rid of 2000 plus years ago. We've recreated control, power, money. We've recreated a system where one person can be the CEO of an entire church. They don't even need elders anymore. They don't need anything that the early church had. They can just, they can just run with it. It's their church. Basically. Uh, yesterday I was talking to someone, they had no idea what key man insurance was. And I'm like, Oh, it's an insurance you get. So that if the pastor dies, you get money. And they're like, wow. They're like, you know, this is a conservative, you know, and they're just like, I had no idea you could take out like that. We could literally key man insurance and saying this one person is more important than anybody else in the church that we're going to pay thousands of dollars a year to ensure that if this one person dies, the church gets money because without this one person, the church won't be in a good place. You're saying that you're saying you know, I want to make sure we can connect these dots. You're saying church made it too about, about the church, the institution of church in America has made it too much about one person. I mean, that's one thing. I'm just saying the church, that's one example of how the church has diverted from the life of Christ. And I'm saying what I hear when you say you don't want to connect the dots, I'm hearing you say, I want to make it about the people in front of us. I want to make it about humanity. I want to make it about loving our neighbor. And I'm like, when I go back to the life of Christ, this is what it was about. You could get rid of every single verse in the Bible if you want, and you could just hold on to, this is what Jesus said, everything hinges on love your neighbor, love God, love yourself. I didn't say those in order, you know, but everything hinges. So I'm with you. Like, let's just, if we stop talking about church and God and politics, and all we do is talk about loving our neighbor, like we're, we're in, we're pointed in the right direction. You know what I mean? I think hopefully loving our neighbor will lead to loving God. I think loving our neighbor is an example of, of loving God, but I'm with you. I totally get why you don't want to connect it. Here's one reason why I get it. A recent uh, Pew Research study um, found that um, six in 10 black Christians say it's important for sermons to address topics like racial relations and immigration. 
more than six in 10 white Christians said those topics are not essential. 40% of white Christians insisted that race and immigration should not be mentioned at all at church. When I read that, it makes me understand why you don't want to connect the dots. Because the things, now you've also, understanding has helped bring me personal peace and it's helped me love people who I disagree with. Even those I adamantly disagree with to the point that makes me angry. You know, I want to stay away from hatred. I want to continue to love. And what's helped me is you've helped me understand that I didn't grow up as you grow up. So of course I don't understand racism like you understand racism. I haven't experienced it. It hasn't been my context. And what I'm asking Christians to do, especially Christians who deny racism, is step back and understand that maybe you don't get it because you've not lived it. Right, right, right. I guess, I guess my, um, my next uh, thought was, but then you go into, we got to go deeper. So then it's like, does your faith, because you can say, all right, well, let's just sit back and love people and just focus on the person in front of you. But there are, at some point, is that should you then, as a person of faith, do something about things that you see as an injustice in your society? Or do you, or do you just ignore that? You know what I mean? Or do you just? I would say, I would say yes, all day long. I would answer that question yes. Um, this, I want to read this one. I think a starting place for me has been this book, A Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. I want to continue having conversations with people. You know, the, sub, the subtitles, Creating Safe Environments for Conversations about Race, Politics, Sexuality, and Religion. You know, and I'll just read you one quick quote about it uh, that's, challenging, that's challenging me. This is a, a conservative white male who's writing with a liberal white male, and they're also writing with a independent black female. Um, and they just write, this is, uh, I'm quoting here, Wayne Jacobson, who wrote The Shack. You might know it. He writes, yeah. the language of healing makes room for differences without fear. It's not just civility for civility's sake. It is a genuine awareness that my group doesn't have all the wisdom nor will it alone create the environment in which others can flourish. Those who have different experiences and cultures will have ideas that can benefit us if we choose to be exposed to them. And this is where faith is leading me. I've got to choose to be exposed. I've got to realize that I don't have all the wisdom, that everything I believe isn't right. Going back to our original quote of the day by Mr. Steve Schlange, the humility to say we could be wrong changes the way we treat people. You know, and I think here, a lot of understanding for me is I've watched a lot of people deny systematic and systemic racism. As I've watched a lot of Christians support Trump, their experience has been different. Their culture has been different. They haven't encountered racism. They haven't seen it in the world. So they don't believe it really exists. You know, you've, you've brought up in previous uh, uh the things, the uh, unconscious bias, you know, and, and here I am, Shane, I'll look you, I can see you right now. We're on video. You know what I mean? I can just say to you, bro, I fit that category in some ways. I am a white male follower of Christ who has not always realized the pain and the agony that you have gone through. And I have not stood up to help you out as my brother in Christ. I know you waited to all the black people move so you could take that picture behind the venue. Like, <laughs> it was like, yo, yo, get out the way. I do. Uh, nah, that's real. That's real. That's real. That's yeah, real. I do love, I do love your humor. I do love your humor. <laughs> I just, I think we're getting to something really deep here. You know, for me. Hold on, real quick. Let me just, just to, yeah. pit, to, to comment that. It's like um, you're asking people who go to church on a daily basis, on a, a weekly to love their neighbor, right? Like they don't want you as the neighbor. I know. <laughs> so it's like, this, I always- This was a debate with... back in Jesus' <laughs> day. This isn't something new. This is something we've been battling forever. This, this goes back, you know, to, to the parable that Jesus shared about who is your neighbor, you know? And everyone rock, walked right by the Samaritan on the road because in that day, the Samaritan on the road, you could say the Samaritan in Jewish culture was the African-American in American culture, historically. Right, right, right. 
You know, I think we've moved to a place where the majority of people don't look at an African-American and think bad, but there's still a large contingent that does, you know, and there's still, there's still a culture where African-American males have to be careful. Definitely. Especially, you know, I mean, but there's laws, you know, and things in place that um, you would almost think that, I guess, I guess it comes back to, it's just hard for, like we talked about earlier, people of Christian faith to be united. Yeah. Like we can't, I mean, you almost think these, these world problems, let's just say these American problems like racism, it's almost like the church should have been addressed this, but yeah. instead you go every Sunday and, and some of it is just where you live at. Um, you know, church is like probably one of the most segregated times, you know, in the history of America. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I just always saw a church as like, I always question like why the church didn't, doesn't address issues of racism. You know what I mean? It's just, well, here's an interesting, maybe that's just the way I approach Christianity. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just the way I approached it. Well, I'm, I'm a stats guy. I'm a numbers guy. I think there's, there's reasons behind things. And here's an interesting one I read recently from a Pew research study that diversity in church is increasing, but that diversity is 99%. African-Americans and Latinos going to white churches and 1% of white Christians currently worship in a racially mixed or predominantly African-American church. So again, we go back to context. We go back to experience. The vast majority of Christians grew up in a world that taught them one thing and they've stayed in that world. And diversity for the most part has meant come into our world, not us go into your world. Not us. I mean, for me, this racial awakening has been for me. I approach this racial awakening much different than some of my friends. I approached it as I don't know. I don't understand. And I want to learn from your perspective. And there have been some African-Americans who have said white privilege doesn't exist. Racism isn't a problem. You know, we don't need to change policing. But to me, the majority of African-Americans that I've read and for me, all of my African-American friends have told me exactly the opposite. Right. And so I, I just step back and I just go, ah, there's something here I'm not seeing. Get back to humility, get back to grace, get back to mercy. If we're going to extend any of that to Trump, I hope we're extending a whole lot more to the African-Americans in our life that we know and don't know. Nah, we got to live in that place of humility um it's just hard for me to even talk about it without getting mad because i'm like you know i thought this before you know even i remember as a teenager thinking these thoughts like man like um i'll just flip my mind real quick um i know this is difficult so you're you're okay it's like it's like some type of gap (laughs) like between like someone who says they're christian especially a white christian and it's almost like this is what even makes it worse in yeah. our country christianity is tied to um through like the education we get taught like you know thomas jefferson's a hero george washington's a hero which is tied to some form of christianity which is tied to an american flag so if i'm a person who why would i ever want to be down with christianity that teaches these things yeah like this person is a slave owner this person's a serial um adulterer you know with who celebrated it basically thomas jefferson so and and here's the thing i'm coming to understand that history has treated people with your color of skin one way and a lot of those people are christians and for so it makes it like how how can you do both that's what that's what i understand no but this is the thing it's it's such a lackluster response i don't know bro like we're not perfect like that was never the intention like we need christ because we we don't get it we missed it and i think what we're seeing today someone who's christian will if i say hey all right you disagree like say i'm talking to you and you're saying listen i'm a christian but i don't 
support Black Lives Matter. If yeah. I say, well, you need Christ, they're like, how? I'm already yeah. a Christian. Yep. So there's some type of gap. You just you have to allow room that that not everyone's going to get everything God wants right. them to get or see, and they're not even going to realize it. I'll, I'll raise my hand right now. Like there are things I don't see right now that I don't realize I need to see. Right, and me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Okay. But now, I think when it comes to treating people a yeah, certain here, way, here's, here's a statement that I've been thinking about that like. It's even it, for, it, it helps me understand what you've gone through your whole life and what your ancestors have gone through for hundreds of years and how Christians have supported what has oppressed you. And it just helped like this statement just begins to help me understand. Cause when I look at Trump, I just don't understand how we as Christians can support him. To me, Trump was a racist as a Democrat and he continues to be a racist as a Republican and our support of his racist misogynistic, hate-filled action words and character as Christians is appalling to God. To me, abortion is also appalling to God, but so is our support of Trump. But I have to understand, like, to me, if we vote for Trump, we are not standing for God. But I have to sit back and understand that other people believe differently. So I've, I've done some research. I'll read this to you, and then I'll let you respond. This is from uh, a, a conservative article. Uh, I don't believe this person. It's the AmericanConservative.com. I believe they're a conservative who doesn't support Trump, but they tried to bring some understanding to why people stand with Trump. And they wrote, "People stand with Trump because he is the only candidate who is aligned with those who 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 isn't aligned with those who defund the, poli- the police. They'll stand with Trump because he has been arguably the most pro-life president." They'll stand with Trump because his administration declared a truce and the Obama's administration war against church. And I remember this. I was I was a pastor when this was happening. Uh, Obama's administration argued that freedom of that we actually don't have freedom to exercise one's religion. We just have freedom to worship. The Supreme Court rejected Obama's administration's opinion nine to zero. That was interesting to me. And this was in a time where we were afraid we would lose our. the church that I worked for was afraid it would lose its nonprofit license if it didn't marry uh, gay people, you know? Um, And so this was just, here are reasons why Christians support Trump. To me, it brings understanding. I don't know. I know you've been through so much more than I have, but can you, if we go back and it's easy to understand. Some of these issues I I get, especially like the religious freedom. And I do remember, you know, with with Obama and, you know, the way it was kind of marketed with like the contraceptives and healthcare. And if you had any disagreements, I do see, you know, and and again, I know you're not saying, (laughs) you know, if you, you know, if you vote for Trump, you're not a Christian or like, you know, obviously we're not saying, Hey, if you vote for Biden, then you're on God's no, team. Like, uh, oh, no one's saying that at all. That's a whole. Let's just be problem. very, very clear. When it comes <laughs> like when I say these things, and they're like, "Oh, you're a liberal," I'm like, "No, I'm not a liberal. I've never yeah, I don't, voted for a Democrat in my life. I'm not saying that decision helps me sleep well. I don't know if it's been the right or the wrong decision. But personally, I don't support Biden. I don't support Democrat. I don't support Clinton. I, I know the media is that we read has biases both ways. I'm really standing here and just going, when I, as a Christian in my heart in Christ, look at Trump and who he is, I don't understand how we can vote for him. But I'm saying I don't understand. I'm not at all saying that if you vote for Trump, that you're not a Christian. I'm saying in my walk, when I stand up for what I believe in, I don't understand how we can vote for Trump and think we're standing with God based on who Trump has been to this very day. Like the things Trump said this morning. I don't understand how we as Christians can stand up. But in my understanding, I'm looking for things like the AmericanConservative.com where I'm going, oh, if, you know, let me take it back for you and me. People go to certain churches because they emphasize certain beliefs. So people align with certain political candidates because they emphasize certain beliefs. To me, I was like, oh, that makes more sense to me. You know what I mean? To them, in their context, their experience, their culture, their life, their journey as a Christian, they've come to believe that, you know, abortion's got to be number one. I get that. I've been there. I lived the majority of my life there. They've come to believe, you know, that um, Trump, you know, Republicans are going to defend freedom of faith and Democrats aren't. 
You know, they've come to stand against gay marriage for conservative Supreme Court justices, you know, for the freedom of, of religion. And they've assigned these things to Republican candidates. And so I sort of lay out to you and go, hey, can you understand that if, if a person has walked most of their life as a white Christian and hasn't seen racism and has been in a culture that has said these things are the most important, why they would vote for Trump? Why they would overlook yeah, yeah, that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, to, to, to sum it up, I think we both agree that our dialoguing about how you, your earthly experience, how you grow up, your skin color, economic status, gender, uh, life experiences often influence how you see people not necessarily your relationship with god and what the principles of what we see christianity uh, christianity you know sometimes your earthly experience can influence the way you treat people more than your christian principles yeah um and also if you're not listening to other people are willing to be wrong or humble. Um, you know, I think we all can just easily get caught up in our own ideas, own thoughts. Um, and also if you, if you don't have a historical context of our country, um, and you only see things for how they are now, not as a chain of events that led up to now, then that's also going to sway, um, your opinion. Um, and at the same time, how do we, as people who, want to be down with God, who want, you know, to serve and live with a higher power, how do we use that relationship to affect our relationship with other people, our relationship with ourselves? Um, And it's, you know, I would be the first one to say without judgment, I I would, I have opinions about these other people who we talk about, but I could never judge them. You know what I mean? I could never, I, I, I couldn't judge Thomas Jefferson, you know, on things that he He's the, I can't judge Trump and say, all right, his relationship with God, he's lying. I can't say he's lying when he says he doesn't have a relationship with God because I've no, I, I've had God in my thoughts, but I've also done things that would be way far against God in other people while still having that in my head. Yeah. So it always, so what I've concluded was that a lot of times, you know, we as Christian people, people of faith, we want like a God or something to jump out of some sky to come down and say, hey, this isn't good. Like, stop doing this. But that principle that, you know, that I'm learning to um, embrace in the Bible where it talks about listening to your brother and sister, allowing your brother and sister to restore you, you know, when you get entangled in something. I just think sometimes that's the part we miss. So if I'm arguing with a, especially a white evangelical, I'm like, listen, like you got all these opinions, but as your brother in Christ, who's had all of these experiences, like, I just feel like you're not listening to me. Well, I'm, I'm going to wrap it. We're going to do part two of this. Cause I've got, yeah, we got to do like a part two and three and four. Cause I, you can get I, all over I got so much more to say to you and you are saying so many good things, but I'll conclude us responding to a little bit what you say there. I think you're spot on. We got to start, so we got to make sure we're starting and ending with love. Practically to me, I make sure that- Sometimes I, you can disagree and still love someone. Totally, 100%. Or argue or whatever. It's like the definition of my life right now. Uh, on both sides, left and right, Democrat and Republican. But I feel like we also, I love what you're saying about listening and understanding and seeking those things out. And I think it's important if we're going to do this podcast, we do that. For me, uh, any video that anyone has sent me from Candace Owens or Officer Tom or anything like that that I tend to disagree with, I make sure I've watched them. I read just as much Fox News as I read CNN. You know, when I, I often tend to, when I read one article, I try to Google the opposite opinion. That's how I stumbled on the American conservative. You know, I started Googling why Christians support Trump because I wanted understanding because understanding helps me love people. But I think we'll close today by saying, you're spot on, Shane. What the hell do we know? And I'm going to close today with our, our beginning quote, the humility 
to say we could be wrong will change the way we treat people. And that's really my heart right now in our nation. Mm -hmm. I hope whoever is our next president, that Christians could stand up and say, despite our disagreements, we have to change the way we are treating people. Let's end there. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I agree. Thousand percent. And uh, we will uh, we'll be back on this topic. I've got I've got some more quotes, some more books, and some more things I want to I want to hear your explanation on. Love you, brother. All right, you too. This was good. We'll talk.